Hey guys, Jim Cox, Devon Financial Partners, Park Avenue Securities, and I'm here today with an interview with Bruce Friedrich. He's with uh, Good Food Institute out of Washington, D.C., and I've seen some of the information that they've been putting out, especially around um, healthy foods, and I wanted to reach out and just learn more about it and give... Um, the uh, CEO, Bruce Friedrich, a, a chance to uh, to talk more about it. So, Bruce, thanks for taking the time to chat. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Awesome. So, tell us a little bit about your background and also GFI. What is? How did you get into working with healthy food? Yeah, so the Good Food Institute, it is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and it's focused on transforming agriculture using markets and food technology. So one of the things we look at is just the harms of industrial animal agriculture, the degree to which producing meat, as one example, produces so much climate change and is so inefficient. As just one example, it takes uh, nine calories in the form of crops to get one calorie back out in the form of chicken, and chicken is the most efficient meat. So that's nine times as much land, nine times as much water, nine times as much pesticides and herbicides. Uh, and then you have to transport those crops to a feed mill and operate a feed mill and transport the feed to a farm and operate the farm and transport the, uh, transport the animals to a slaughterhouse and operate a slaughterhouse. Just a vastly inefficient way of producing meat. But people like meat. 98% of Americans eat meat. Uh, most people are aware that meat is inefficient. Most people are not super comfortable with what's happening on modern farms and in modern slaughterhouses. Uh, but people like the taste. It's reasonably priced. It's everywhere. It's super convenient. So the Good Food Institute was launched basically uh, to use markets and food technology to do two things. Thing one is accelerate the production and the competitiveness of the market sector that produces meat from plants, so plant-based meats, companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. And then two is accelerate the science, uh, help with the policy, uh, work with corporations and startups to accelerate clean meat. And clean meat is just a real meat produced directly from cells without the inefficiencies the wastefulness, the other harms that come with growing massive amounts of crops to feed them to animals to eat animals. We just feed the cells directly. Wow. Um, now, does that get into GMOs and so forth? or No, it's a, it's a natural process of cell multiplication and growth. So what we do right now is we grow massive amounts of crops. We feed them to animals. Animals are horribly inefficient at taking crops and turning them into meat. Uh, about half of the crops are turned into parts of the animal that we don't eat, and even more calories go into just keeping the animals alive. So like, you know, you and me, Jim, we probably eat somewhere on the order of, you know, depending on how athletic we are, human beings eat somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000 calories a day um, and generally are not gaining weight. That's just what our bodies require in order to exist in the world. The same basic thing is true with farm animals. The vast majority of the calories that you feed to a chicken or a pig or a cow, the vast majority, the animal expends simply existing. So there are now more than 20 companies that exist all over the world that are focused on basically taking what we know scientifically about causing cells 
to multiply and grow without a host animal. I mean, mostly this has been done for human medicine, but we can do it for food. So we can grow meat, but without the inefficiency, without the bacterial contamination, without the antibiotics, it's a much cleaner product. And the, the phrase clean meat is actually a nod to clean energy. It's 95% less climate change, 99% less land, 90% less water. It's just a far more efficient way of going. And it's just feeding cells directly. There's no, no GMOs uh, required at all. Is there a difference in terms of taste or in terms of uh, product? No, it's the exact same thing. So if you're taking cow cells, I mean, you can either cause the cow cells to multiply and grow by feeding a cow, uh, which is inefficient, but it works. Um, or you can cause the cow cells to multiply and grow by putting them on a scaffold and feeding them direct, directly. So it's you know, it's literally the exact same product. Is so it, it exactly the same? Is it um, so? What kind of scale has that kind of um, business gotten to at this point? Are they actually producing commercial products? They are not producing commercial products. Um, producing commercial products on a significant scale. It's probably at least two or three years away. There have been multiple companies that said that they will have small-scale commercial products, like maybe you know a restaurant in San Francisco or a restaurant in Amsterdam or Tel Aviv or something like that uh, by the end of the year. And indeed, a bunch of different companies are producing product right now, so they could probably uh, supply at a very high price point you know a restaurant if they wanted to. Uh, but that really does probably detract from their R&D. Uh, focus. So I think most of the companies that exist, and there are now more than 20 of them, um, are expecting to be at a reasonable commercial scale in something like three to five years, um, and then scaling up from there. Although at the Good Food Institute, one of the things we do is focus on policy. So um, we have a lobbyist um, and a small policy team in the United States. We also have representatives in Israel, India, Brazil, and China. And we are approaching governments and saying, look, you guys put billions of dollars into ag research. You put billions or at least hundreds of millions of dollars into basic science research. Plant-based meat and clean meat, basically what they're doing is they're giving consumers exactly what they want in terms of meat, in terms of the taste, the texture, everything people like about meat, but doing it with plants or doing it directly from cells. But it eliminates a lot of the harms of the industrial meat industry. So no routine use of antibiotics, no bacterial contamination, a lot more efficient, 95% less climate change. Like These are things that governments care about. So our hope is that we will be able to convince the U.S. and other governments to put R&D resources into scientific development for plant-based meat and clean meat. If that happens, we can see these technologies you know, really accelerate uh, much more quickly than the time scale, time scale I was just talking about. Well, one of the, I know from personal experience and in terms of looking for products at the grocery store, that there's a lot more product available in terms of plant-based foods um, than even two or three years ago. I mean, it's on scales of magnitude different, it seems. Um, what would you attribute that level of growth to? Uh, well, I mean, I think the products are getting better and better. So up until maybe five years ago, uh, the plant-based meat market sector saw itself as focused on vegetarianism mm. um, and on vegetarians, that is to say. So people who didn't want to eat meat were the people who, you know, veggie burgers and veggie dogs and stuff. They were going for people um, who would either eat this or eat nothing. 
And along come people like Ethan Brown at Beyond Feed, and he says, no, uh, our target audience is meat eaters. Our target audience is everybody. We are going to make products that meat eaters want to buy. It's basically taking a page from the plant-based milk companies. So soy milk, almond milk, more than 90% of people who are putting soy milk and almond milk in their shopping cart are also putting animal-based meat, in the, I mean milk, in their shopping cart. So. Uh, that's the idea now of plant-based meat as well. It's it's an additional product for meat eaters, something that they will eat sometimes, not always, uh, and consequently it needs to taste really, really good. We need meat eaters to want to eat it, not just vegetarians. And with that mindset has come more and more flexitarians, more and more meat eaters eating the plant-based meats. That means the products are getting better, um, and you're seeing a lot more of them. So who are some of the companies that are really leaders in terms of the plant-based food movement? Well, one of the things we've been really excited to see, so I mean, it was really sort of Ethan Brown comes along, founds Beyond Meat in 2009, um, has his first product in 2012, first national launch in 2013. So it took a little while, took a lot of science to figure out how we biomimic meat with plants. Um, And it worked. I mean, Bill Gates called it the future of food. Uh, Mark Bittman, who is a food writer who does meat-based cookbooks for the New York Times, says he couldn't tell the difference between the Beyond Meat chicken um, and animal-based chicken. There was a famous episode where um, a bunch of Whole Foods in uh, the Southern California region accidentally put the Beyond Meat in place of the animal-based meat for a week, and nobody noticed mm. uh, because it was so it was so good in terms of biomimicry. So it was really Ethan Brown who had this sort of brainstorm in 2009. Although at basically the same time, in 2011, a biochemist from Stanford University named Pat Brown, no relation to Ethan Brown, started Impossible Foods. And it took until 2016 until he had his first product. Um, And these guys are getting heavy venture capital funding. So like Beyond Meat um, has funding from a sort of who's who of venture capital in Silicon Valley, um, as well as Tyson Foods, which is pretty exciting. The largest meat producer in the United States is invested in Beyond Meat. And then Impossible Foods also has a lot of huge venture capital funds. Uh, they also have Google Ventures, which is pretty cool. Um, and those are the sort of two companies that kicked it off. But one of the things that we've been excited to see at GFI is that the old players, the Morningstars, the Bocas, the Gardines, the Tofurkeys, uh, they have seen what Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat are doing. And they are rethinking how they think about plant-based meat. And they are upping their R&D game um, and are really jumping in with both feet to the idea that their target audience is not vegetarians. Their target audience is everyone. So we're seeing a lot of very exciting innovation around plant-based meat and clean meat. That's awesome. What, um, what, what about seafood? Is there a comparable movement within dealing with seafood as well? There is. It's a little bit further behind, uh, but there is. There are two plant-based, actually three plant-based meat companies. Um, none of the three of them, I think, have products yet, but they all have significant venture fund, venture capital funding, um, and they have their eyes set on seafood. So one of them is called Good Catch, one of them is called New Wave, and one of them is called Terramino. And those three uh, plant, plant-based meat startups, I think all three of them, well, two of them are based in the Bay Area, New Way Foods and Terramino, um, and then Good Catch is based in New York City. 
Um, and yeah, there's a, a that is very exciting. And then in the in the clean meat seafood, there's a company called Finless Foods in the Bay Area. Yep. Um, and then another company called Blue Nalu in San Diego. And um, so yeah, we're seeing a lot of a lot of seafood innovation as well. At the Good Food Institute, we're in the process of producing a report about the promise of plant-based meat and clean meat seafood, which we will be unveiling at a conference we're having, the Good Food Conference. Uh, with UC Berkeley September 6th and 7th. And the conference is sold out, but people can, it will be live streamed. So if people want to live stream it, they can just go to our website and click on the link. And our website is gfi.org. Awesome. How does, uh, how does GFI fund itself? Like, what is, do you have an endowment? I mean, is it um, donors? Or are you corporately funded? Uh, how, how are you able to accomplish so much? Um, well, it's very nice of you. Uh, thank you for the kind words about our accomplishments. We're pretty excited about how much we, we have been able to get done um, on a you know month-by-month basis. Anybody who would like to receive our monthly reports, um, you can just email me, and I'll put you on the list. My email is bruce, at, as in Frank, at gfi.org. Uh, and GFI is a 501c3 nonprofit, so we are ex- uh, funded exclusively from gifts and grants. We get no money, government money. Um, and no corporate money, just gets a grants. So just a, a standard nonprofit organization uh, focused on transforming agriculture toward healthier and more humane uh, alternatives. Awesome. One of the uh, challenges I would imagine, though, is you, you mentioned you do a lot of work in terms of lobbying, but obviously corporations have huge pocketbooks when it comes to um hiring lobbying firms and obviously a lot of the legislation that is in place is due to those efforts um how does a nonprofit compete with you know corporate funding well well we're not competing um and so that's one thing so it's you know we're not like uh, an environmental organization that is trying to stop um pollution from the meat industry or an animal protection organization or whatever else. We're not fighting against anyone. So our lobbyist has sort of two key goals. Key goal number one is to convince members of Congress uh, that they should allocate some of the funds that already exist to plant-based meat and clean meat R&D. And that's a pretty easy sell, whether you are in the Freedom Caucus on sort of the far right or the progressive caucus on sort of the far left or anywhere in between, if what the you know if what the lobbyist is, is saying is, look, there are these really good problems. There is a food tech solution. There is money already in the budget, so we're not asking for more money. Uh, would you please work with us to put uh, a line into the Senate or the House report saying that it is the sense of Congress that some of the National Science Foundation uh, money or some of the USDA's budget for R&D, that some of that should be put into plant-based meat or clean meat research and development. Pretty much everybody loves capitalism in Congress, and everybody loves technology in Congress, so it's a pretty easy ask. Uh, And then the other thing that we're trying to do is make sure that there is a clear path to regulatory approval and oversight of clean meat, which is something that came out of a National Academy of Sciences report. Uh, with more than 25 members of the academy saying clean meat has tremendous potential. Um, We need to make sure from a regulatory standpoint and from a statutory standpoint 
the, the path for this technology is, is clear and seamless. So we are working with members of Congress across the aisle. Again, uh, this is something that doesn't really have significant opposition. It's, you know, it's, let's use markets, let's use boost technology, let's create this industry, let's make sure that the United States is on the leading edge of these you know, critical industries, let's not you know, cede control of these industries to Europe or China or Israel or Singapore, other places that have a lot of R&D in plant-based meat and clean meat, let's make you know, the United States number one on this stuff. It got its birth in Silicon Valley. Um, but now it's really taking off in other parts of the world, and we are chatting with members of Congress and chatting with regula- regulators um, about these technologies, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for what it is that we're doing. And it, I mean, it, it certainly helps that Tyson Foods and Cargill, two of the three biggest meat companies in the United States, they have invested in clean meat companies, and Tyson has also invested in plant-based meat. So um, it's not something that we expect to have significant opposition to uh, as if we were, you know, trying to take away subsidies or overregulate the other producers of meat. What um, it would seem, and maybe this is just the novice in me talking, but it would seem like um, plant-based meat would be a uh, competitor to um, grass-fed, locally grown uh, meat to farmers who are more. Um, localized and small scale. Um, how do you kind of position yourself with farmers? Um, are you going to put them out of business with what you're doing? Is you know how do you fit in? Well, I think the small scale local farmers are a very clear complement to what we're doing. So they're asking people to eat mindfully. And we're asking people, well, they're asking people to eat mindfully. I guess in the short term, the, the early adopters for plant-based meat and clean meat um, are mindful eaters. But over time, what we're doing doesn't require that anybody change their overall um, food calculus at all. Uh, what we're doing is producing exactly the product that people want to consume. But because the production method is so much more efficient, the price is lower. And over time, there's simply a you know, supply and demand kicks in. Um, and industrial animal meat is replaced by plant-based meat and clean meat. Uh, but that is alongside the small-scale, high-welfare, local producer, because obviously those guys are charging significantly more for their product than industrial animal meat. What that means is that their consumers are very thoughtful and are seeking out their products. I don't think that changes with plant-based meat and clean meat. Plant-based meat and clean meat don't provide uh, the sort of experience of high welfare, local, small scale, know your farmer. That's what people, that's what those consumers are going for. So plant-based meat and clean meat, it competes with industrial animal meat. Um, it decreases the harms of industrial animal meat, so it will have some early adopters. Uh, but for the most part, I think what people are getting out of the local high welfare, um, it's sort of a different experience, and we're unlikely to be disrupting that. You mentioned uh, Tyson is one of the investors in one of um, one of these ventures. Um, is how does large agribusiness um, fit into? I mean, is that ultimately the goal to convert agribusinesses to using all plant-based foods? Uh, plant-based and, and clean meat, yes. So Tyson Foods is actually um, three of the first four of their venture capital funds investments 
uh, were two clean meat companies and one plant-based meat company. So they invested in Memphis Meats, which is clean meat, Beyond Meat, which is plant-based meat, and Future Meat Technologies, which is an Israeli clean meat company, as three of their, their first venture investments. Um, and yes, the goal is over time, um, industrial animal meat will be completely replaced by plant-based meat and clean meat because plant-based meat and clean meat are more efficient. So as they scale up and as the fixed costs are integrated into the price uh, of the product in a way that competes with industrial animal meat, uh, the price will come down. The products are the same or better. So consumers will simply switch. Uh, No change in values or really anything else required. Hmm. That's amazing. Um, where do you see technology moving? Like, is there a frontier for plant-based food? Like, what is, what's the next great thing? I don't think we know for sure yet. Uh, there's a lot of exciting, there are a lot of exciting things happening across the range of companies involved in plant-based meat. And I think we're going to see more and more exciting things. So, uh, Impossible Foods um, is, has its eyes focused on the entire meat case, um, and they have hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank in their bank account to innovate. Uh, Beyond Meat um, also has an awful lot of scientists and an awful lot of money. They've just opened a research center focused on optimizing proteins for plant-based meat research. At the Good Food Institute, we just got a million-dollar grant to do a call for proposals focused on plant-based meat um, and a half a million dollars to do a call for proposals focused on clean meat. We will be uh, announcing that officially in about three or four weeks at our conference. Um, and I think we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to see more and more uh, activity and interest and excitement in both the plant-based meat and to the clean meat market sectors. So. We're, we're just really, really excited to see all of the innovation that's happening and all of the innovation that's just going to keep coming. I mean, I guess we're really just at the nascent stages of, of this whole movement. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. There are more than 20 clean meat companies, but only three of them um, have raised their Series A, and then another half a dozen have raised their seed round. But it's just Memphis Meats that has raised more than $10 million. And then... Um, a couple others have raised just south of $10 million. So brand new, all of these companies are, are less than three years old, literally every single one of them. The first company incorporated uh, in April 2016, that's Memphis Meats, uh, which is the one company that's raised um, just north of $20 million uh, to do clean meat research. They've got Bill Gates and, and Richard Branson and Tyson Boots and others invested in their in their Series A round. So it's exciting, but that's super early. And then plant-based meat is similarly early, less early, but it's still uh, less than 1% of the meat market, uh, the total sales of the plant-based meat industry. It is growing um, at more than 20% a year at the moment, but uh, you know, 20% of one of 1% is you know 0.2%. So it's growing quickly. It's over $600 million a year, but the meat industry is over $200 billion a year. So uh, it is small, but it is growing quickly, and we expect it to see uh, we expect it to see it beat the trajectory of plant-based milk. So plant-based milk 20 years ago was at 0% of the market. Plant-based milk today is at 12 or 13% of the market. Uh, we think we're going to see plant-based meat do the same thing, and it's going to be a you know tens of billions of dollars within uh, probably 10 or 15 years. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting um, when you look at like eating 
meet, and this is just my own personal observation, and it relates to, to actually tuna. Um, when we have eaten tuna in the past, tuna fish, it the majority of the brands, um, there's a quality to it that there's it feels like there's a toxicity. And in terms of, I don't know, uh, hormones, I guess, or, or not hormones, but the stress that the animal has gone through um, in terms of when it's being caught or harvested. Um, when you contrast that with, and I forget the name of the company that um, produces it, but basically it's Polkalt Tuna, um, and it's feel it tastes like the, the animal does not go through the same kind of stress. And that the quality of the product is way better um, in terms of from a taste and from a, uh, it feels like from a health perspective compared to tuna caught, you know, in fishing nets or however it's caught elsewhere. Um, that's just qualitatively different. Um, I would imagine with what you're talking about with clean meats, that that kind of lack of hormonal stress on the animal could be an added benefit to to people's health compared to what animals are put through in normal slaughterhouses. Yeah, I certainly heard that there is some sort of adrenaline issue or something that um, adversely impacts the quality of the meat. Um, I haven't seen science on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's true. Uh, what's definitely true is that um, especially sea animals and especially carnivorous sea animals like tuna, um, they get lots and lots of mercury and dioxins and other heavy metals that collect in their that collect in their flesh. And a company like Seco, Seco, which is um, I guess the brand is actually Good Catch. The company is called Seco. The brand is called Good Catch. They'll have products on shelves by the end of the year. And it's a plant-based tuna that is just really getting chefs very, very excited. And it's a plant-based tuna. It tastes like tuna, uh, but it doesn't have the mercury or the dioxin or the heavy metals or sort of any of the harms of conventional tuna. So um, that is very real and scientifically proven, although I, I wouldn't, uh, it certainly seems possible that hormones and adrenaline from uh, terror uh, could also infect the meat, but I'm not, I'm not familiar with science on that. Yeah, I, I, that's just my personal experience, but um, I did not know about uh, what uh, what you just said as far as with uh, the one company coming out with uh, with clean tuna. So that's good to know. Um, I mean, the reality is when you look at the quality of the seas, that um, there's real issues in terms of sea life extinction that we're looking at in terms of the the die off of species and over harvesting that's taken place. That obviously can't continue, uh, especially with the oh, num yeah. no, number of people on the planet. So, Yeah, and GFI will be producing a report that both talks about what you just said, um, also talks about the mercury and dioxin and, and other issues, and then talks about plant-based meat um, and clean meat seafood as the solution to sort of all of the harms of uh, commercial fishing as well as aquaculture. And we should have that report available on our website, uh, gfi.org. By the second week of September, we're unveiling it at the Good Food Conference. 
um, on September 6th, I believe. Awesome, awesome. Well, if people want to learn more about uh, your organization, you mentioned the uh, the website, gfi.org. Um, how else can they reach out to you if they want to learn more? Um, well, my email address is just Bruce F., as in Frank, at gfi.org. And for a real crash course in plant-based meat and clean meat, we will be live streaming the Good Food Conference. You can get the schedule, the speaker lineup, um, and everything else uh, at Good foodconference.com or at gfi.org at the top there's a, a banner um, and that will all be live stream and just a ton of information about everything that we have talked about and a whole lot more awesome well I look forward to that I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat today and uh, sharing so much I mean it's exciting to see that uh, technology can make a uh, qualitative difference in terms of not just the lives of people but obviously the lives of, uh, of animals yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure, Jim. I'm, I'm delighted and appreciate the invitation. Thank you.